so two weeks ago when I was preaching and standing right here, um, if you weren't here last week, I explained it. I had a bout of uh, vertigo and didn't understand what was going on. And it's freaking me out, to tell you the truth, because this is the scene of the crime, right? So there's like apprehension. And the last three days have been pretty good. Uh, and the most difficulty I've had in this room is this checkerboard pattern <laughs> on the ground, like just walking down the hallway to the refectory. And I feel like I'm looking at one of those things that you look at where you, in 3D, like <laughs> you're trying to find something. But here I am. <laughs> so I just have to like get that out there to sort of ease my uh, anxiety. I've got the band stool here, which I used last week um, uh, to celebrate. Uh, thank God there was another preacher. But I've preached twice in Wednesday Chapel and taught twice since then, and it all worked out. So I'm hoping that this works out uh, much more effectively than two weeks ago. Um, so I just want to talk to you about John's uh, gospel passage um, that uh, I just read from, uh, just so, sort of a lot going in uh, to this scene. Um, you know, uh, he's, Jesus is trying to get away from the crowds uh, to sort of have a little bit of a retreat with his disciples. And the crowds seek uh, Jesus wanting more food or uh, sort of material benefit because he's just provided for the multitudes, and so they want some more. Uh, and then Jesus, in responding uh, to them, he sort of implies that they should have sought him out, uh, not because of the, uh, the food itself, uh, but because of the signs and the miracles, and what the signs and the miracles that he's performed, including the feeding of the multitudes, uh, what those things imply about who he is exactly. Uh, and in uh, John's uh, gospel, the word sign, which is repeated, uh, refers to Jesus' miracles. Uh, and uh, they're not only sort of like physical events that happen, but they are evidence, they're semaphores that are sort of pointing uh, toward his divine nature to, to help us understand and to help them understand uh, who he is exactly. And Nicodemus earlier on in John's gospel recognizes this when he says, no one can do uh, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Uh, and here we are a, a couple uh, chapters later but what has he done up to this point that Nicodemus recognized and that the, the multitudes should have uh, recognized? Well, first of all, he turned uh, uh, water into a very large amount of wine at a wedding. Um, kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, bet you've never seen that before. Uh, he heals the official's ill son, saving the, 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 the son's life. Uh, he heals an invalid man of, uh, who had this sort of uh, illness for 38 years at the Pool of Bethesda. By the way, if you go to Bethesda, Maryland, there's a fountain in front of the Barnes & Noble. It's like the Pool of Bethesda, Maryland, and that's where I came to faith. Not at that pool, but on that block. I bought a book in that Barnes & Noble and went to a cafe across the street. Uh, so the Pool of Bethesda is important to me. Uh, but going back to the signs of Christ, in our chapter, then we see that he, he feeds the crowds, and then he walks on water. And if you keep reading in John's Gospel, you see that he heals a blind man and raises Lazarus from the dead. So these are the signs, the, the uh, miracles that the crowd is not recognizing, um, but instead they have a sort of uh, felt need something uh, that they want versus their 
actual need that they don't recognize, which has you know something to do with healing or reconciliation or, or eternal life. Um, and uh, Jesus says to them uh, something similar he, uh, to what he said to the Samaritan woman. Uh, he says to her, uh, if she drinks the water at the well, she'll still be thirsty. But what he has, speaking sort of metaphorically, uh, is the, uh, the, the water that will, leave her, that will quench her thirst eternally. Uh, these living waters, referring to himself. Uh, and in our passage, Jesus talks about Israel because they ask about the signs. Well, what signs? And like they haven't seen or heard about the signs. You know, what about like in, in, in Israel when they're in the wilderness and, uh, and uh, through Moses, God uh, brought manna down from heaven. And then Jesus responding to that says, but yeah, they ate the manna and they still died. You know, they were still hungry. Uh, and uh, now in our passage, the crowd's looking for more food. He says to them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And still none of them seem to get it. They're hurt, they're, they're hungry, they're thirsty for an immediate uh, physical and uh, material benefit and not seeing the sign that uh, is literally before their eyes. The last uh, two churches that I worked at before coming here, I was sort of in charge of young people's ministry. That's kind of often a sort of de facto thing when you get out of seminary. You know, you're the younger person usually. So you, you know, you deal with the kids. You know, you deal with the, um, the young adults, the youth. My last church, I was in Hilton Head Island, which if, if you uh, don't know, the average age of the island's probably like in the 60s or 70s. So I said there, well, young people means anybody under the age of 55. Um, but nevertheless, I was sort of in charge of young people's ministry. And people often told me that in, in, in both of these churches, what I ought to do is teach a parenting class because there are young adults with young children, and that'll really get them in and staying there is if you, if you teach people about parenting. Uh, and I sort of describe this as a felt need or want, you know, because um, parents are desperate, you know. Uh, they're str- My wife was supposed to be the lector intercessor tonight. She's at home because her kids are sick, you know. I mean, I know what it's like. We're often struggling. Uh, we're suffering. And we, uh, we kind of want some answers about how to, how to work with these kids. And, and they want their ministers to, to, to have those answers, to teach them. Uh, and frankly, a lot of other churches have kind of done a disservice to people like me in this respect because there are plenty of churches you can go to that do teach parenting classes like sort of how-tos about how to be, be, best... Uh, uh, raise up your children. And I did cave in um, in my first church and said, okay, I'll, I'll teach a parenting class. For a whole year I taught this class. But I used it as sort of a, like a, an excuse to proclaim the gospel, really. I just sort of used it as the thing that got them in the room and I hardly talked about parenting. It was sort of the back door. Uh, it's the human heart was to say, okay, we're going to talk about kids, but really I'm going to talk about what Jesus did for you. Um, and the next time at the next church, when they came to me with the same felt need, I refused <laughs> and said, I have no advice for you. <laughs> uh, I've got two kids of my own, and I need a parenting class. They did not teach me in seminary how to teach parenting courses. <laughs> 
But nonetheless, you know, that's an example of a sort of uh, felt need or want, the thing that uh, we come to uh, the, the person in authority saying, this is what I need from you. And then the, the, the person in authority here in this case is, uh, is uh, Jesus Christ says, that's really not what you need. There's something else going on here, and you don't recognize it. Um, but uh, in, in this case, in this uh, passage, the, the, the felt need is food, is, is hunger. Um, and uh, food is a, a tough category, especially right now, to sort of talk about, um, to, to address. Um, I've known uh, several people, even recently, have had a gastric bypass surgery. You know what that is, where they intervene in the stomach and make it smaller so you can't eat as much food uh, because if if you keep eating the amount of food that you were eating it might uh, lead to really bad uh, health problems uh, it's kind of like a very modern version of as Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount like if you're a, if your eye offends you like literally pull it out if your if your right hand offends you cut it off it's almost like that like if your stomach is offending you cut out a portion of it so you can't eat as much food. Um, and, uh, but meanwhile, you know, the, the thing that's interesting about that is there are many people in the world who don't even have enough food to eat. Uh, so food is right now, I think, just sort of a thing that we maybe don't even talk about enough in terms of the, the, the human uh, condition. But food, to talk about it in terms of addiction with like something like gastric bypass is really tough because you have to eat. You have to eat. You know, I mean, if you're addicted to a drug or like alcohol, you can abstain from that. Like you have to drink water, you've got to breathe air, you need shelter, you need to eat food. But some people are, are, are addicted to food. And so like that's so difficult. Imagine being told, well, you can, you're addicted to alcohol, but, but you're just going to drink an ounce a day. I mean, that's like nearly impossible. Uh, and so the, 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 even though there's the intervention, the, the addiction still remains. So that's why, that's, an, that's sort of evidence of the, um, the difficulty around this category. And we all have certain sort of dysfunctions when it relates to food or perversions. Just listen to the... Um, the types of things that people say about food. I just wrote a, a really long list here. Maybe it resonates with you. Maybe, maybe you've said these things or heard them said or have had people say them to you. Um, I was so bad today. Uh, I shouldn't be eating this. I can't have that. I blew it. Uh, my wife brought this one up. You're eating for two. Have another, you know, like if you're pregnant. <laughs> That's not really true, I mean, because a fetus is very small. Um, it doesn't need <laughs> as many calories as you do. Uh, I'll start over on Monday, right? New Year's resolution. I deserve this. That's a good one. I deserve this. Uh, you know, get the dessert. You deserve it. Uh, I was good today. I can have the dessert. I can't help it. I'm addicted to, to whatever it is, sugar, chocolate. I simply can't control my appetite. Uh, Dr. Oz says... Um, I thought that was funny, um, if you know who Dr. Oz is. Uh, healthy foods uh, don't taste good. Uh, you are what you eat. Another one is these sort of descriptions we add, like sinful is an interesting one. In, in California, with Zinfandels, there's a lot of play on the word wine, Zinfandel, with sin and sinful. Um, 
Here are some others, sublime, decadent, luscious, mouth-watering, to die for, guilty pleasure, addictive, guilt-free, tastes too good to be healthy. And uh, my friend told me this is interesting, a moment in the lips, forever on the hips. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that just sort of shows you what our relationship is, uh, is kind of like with food, and it probably was something similar going on in the crowds in terms of of uh, wanting uh, food immediately with urgency. And what sort of immediate, maybe it's not food for you, what sort of immediate or urgent felt needs or desires or wants do you have uh, that might be getting in the way from understanding the sign that's before your eyes? You know, honestly, for me, the last two weeks, all I could think about is the anxiety related to vertigo. And I want really God to sort of answer that prayer. And then when he does, does I just sort of move on. You know, I mean, like, uh, like I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Um, and maybe for you, it's some sort of uh, addiction or neurosis. Maybe it's related to food. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's smartphones or technology or, or anger, or shopping, you know, whatever it is, there might be some sort of hunger or desire that you're longing for, that there's this empty pit inside of you, a hunger that's causing hunger pains, a need for uh, uh, instant gratification, and you cannot satiate that thirst or that hunger. How are you keeping up with the Joneses? Or on the flip side, what are you jonesing for? I think that's kind of a good tweetable line. If you want to remember this sermon, how are you trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, or what are you jonesing for? Well, I want to say to you uh, what Jesus says then, uh, with all this in mind about hunger, whether it's a hunger for actual food or or something else. uh, Jesus says to you, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is to say, my father gives you the true water, you know, the true iPhone, the true possessions, whatever it is. Jesus also says to you, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. And so I beg you, come to him, or let him, for that matter, come to you, and do not hunger. Believe in him and never thirst. See him as the Messiah, the one who performed these signs, and believe. And although the material things will eventually leave you unsatisfied, He will never cast you out, and he will never leave you unsatisfied. Amen.